Church, are you guys ready for God's word? Are you? Because I'm excited to be sharing it with you here today. And today I've got a a message that we are starting today, um, a sermon series on the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Now, the first the first Sunday, we're not going to get real deep into it because I have a back to school message. Come on, how many of us are glad school is back in session? Can we just celebrate for a minute? Uh, some of our kids were glad, some weren't so glad. Some said, woo others went boo. And then, but most of the parents cheered because the parents are like, how in the world do you do it, teachers? Do you have a whole new appreciation for your teachers? Absolutely. They do an amazing job. So teachers, I want to share a message with you. Parents, I want to share a message with you. And adults, empty nesters, I want to share a message with you. And it's a back to school message that's applicable to all of our lives. And it's about wisdom. And you say, well, how, what does that have to do with the Holy Spirit? Do you realize that wisdom only comes by the divine gift of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the spirit of wisdom and he brings wisdom. And so I want to share with you that wisdom is so, so very important. And in fact, if you're, if you're uh, wanting to know today's title of the message is wisdom makes you successful. Come on, how many of us want success in our lives? If you're young, you want success. If you're old, you want success. Everybody wants success. Do you know we were, we were made to, to desire something better? We were made that way. I want you to think about this with me for a second. The, uh, the Bible tells us that the very first command in God's word was to what? Be fruitful and multiply. Therefore, in our hearts, God put this desire to expand, to want more. Why is it that people are always building? Why is it that we're not just comfortable with a little tent? We want more. We want to build. Why? Because God put it in you. Do you realize when the disciples argued about greatness and who would be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, God did not rebuke them and say, how dare you think about greatness? How dare you have that mindset? I want you to eradicate that thought process from your heart. No, he said, in fact, greatness was put there by me, but I need to orient it. Right now you're getting greatness confused with with the world. I want to show you what greatness is in the kingdom. Greatness in the kingdom is serving one another. So we're not going to do it like the world does. As a matter of fact, that's what Jesus exactly said. He said, the world lords over it. What? They stand in authority and, 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 and they lord over someone. That's how they do it. In fact, when I give you authority, I want you to serve each other. Serve one another. Don't do it like the world does. So success is a good thing. And do you realize that in order to be successful, many of us believe that we need to get educated. I know education was a big deal in my family. And I can remember my grandfather, he wanted every one of his children to be educated and every one of his grandchildren to be educated. And education meant open doors. And I can remember one day my grandfather was in his living room and there was maybe a, a, some kind of dinner going on. There was a lot of us there and my aunts and uncles were there. And he starts talking about all that he is. And he was about 90 years old. He passed away at 92. And he started saying, I'm a doctor three times over. I'm a, I'm a surgeon. I'm, I'm an administrator. I'm a principal. I'm a, I'm a assistant superintendent. I'm this and that. He's saying all these things. And his, um, his children thought, oh my gosh, grandpa's lost it. In fact, he was saying, no, 
because of the seeds I've sown, that's what you've become and I get to share in that. Amen. Do you realize that that's the promise of wisdom? The Bible says you don't know you're wise until your grandchildren show you you're wise. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says that wisdom is proven by her children's children. Think about it. It's true. What you put in will come out two generations later. So the wisdom, the seeds you're sowing today will take, will have, will have fruit two generations later. We need to think that way. That's true wisdom. True wisdom thinks about the future. And what? Hasty worldly knowledge is so concerned about the here and now. It's expedience versus real prudence. Amen. And so I can tell you, I was really encouraged when it came to school. It was insisted that I never miss, that, that, that we be there, that we take it super, super serious. And I can remember hating school. Now, that's not the way you want to start off a back to school message, telling the kids, I hated school, but it, it'll fit. Stay with me. I hated school. And you say, Pastor, oh no, you're going to tell the story about how you skipped school in first grade with your kindergartner brother for an entire week. And you went all over the city of San Antonio. Um, no, I won't tell that story. I'm going to tell about my second grade experience. After the week-long deal in first grade, I went into second grade with the same attitude. And I can remember thinking, I hate school because the teachers don't give you long enough recess. I like baseball. I like football. I like basketball. I like sports. And all I knew is you've got this tiny little recess. And then if some knucklehead messes it up like me, then we don't have recess. Right? Do you remember that? And math is too long. English is too long. These things are way too long. And so I can remember along the schoolyard, there was the, the field out here. But along where the building was, they had a big sidewalk, right, that connected all the classrooms and whatnot. And then they had a storm drain. And I can remember going down to pick up the ball and just shoot right into the storm drain. I just got real flat and I rolled right into it. And then one of my friends came by. I said, Psst, Another friend came by. Psst, get in here. There was three of us. We went all the length in that, in that sewer drain. No, sewer doesn't sound good. Storm drain. Storm drain. And we went all the way underneath the ground, undetected. This was beautiful. I thought I was back in like, you know, no, I'm just kidding. Um, and I'm going in there. And the next thing you know, it lets us out into, into the creek. Oh, man, I love this. We're sitting there fishing and catching uh, crawfish and jumping after different little animals. Put it in a plastic bag that we found there that was trash. And we brought it back way after school has done. We had lost track of time. Soaked from head to toe. We walk in and we see our teachers and police officers. See, the abducted kids are now found. And they're happy for like a split second. That, that joy did not last, can I tell you? When they realized what had happened, we got in so much trouble. Parents were arriving. They were frantic. My mom, I'll never forget. It was my baby. And just loving on me. And then she got angry. And she stood up and let my dad look at me. 
And the police officer was there and he's holding his belt and I'm going, ooh, please stay because this, this man is going to kill me. There's going to be a crime to report. And I can remember this, this crazy thing happening and you say, how does that pertain to wisdom? Has everything to do with what I'm about to tell you. See, I was a good student. Matter of fact, I learned really quick. You put me in a classroom and things just stuck. I learned it, but I hated it. I didn't see the, the point. And then that's when my parents realized something. We keep emphasizing learning, but we're not emphasizing wisdom. We need to get this kid in God's word. And my dad fell under conviction because he had been called to be a pastor. And in that period of their time, him and my mom had started selling insurance. Both of them. They were doing very, very well. As a matter of fact, they were earning trips. They were going to Mexico. They were going to Spain. They were going to Australia. They were going different places on trips that the insurance company would send them on. Week at a time. Ten days at a time. You know, all these trips. Meanwhile, the kids were supposedly doing great in school, right? Learning. But there was no wisdom. And without wisdom, there is no point to that learning, that knowledge. And so I can remember my dad saying, we need to get our, our family back in church. And I'm not talking about just going once in a while. I'm talking about really getting after it. And I can remember them putting me in a group called the Royal Ambassadors. And the Royal Ambassadors, yes, from if you, if some of us are old Baptists, I can tell. Some of us are recovering Baptists, but the, but, <laughs> but the Royal Ambassadors made you study scripture and you learned to pledge, to pledge your life and, in, in allegiance to Jesus. And we started, man, I started learning those scriptures and I came to Bastrop and I can remember the Cervantes family started pouring into my life. And then I went into Bible drill and we won, I won state in Bible drill. And I don't say that to impress you. I say to impress upon you, all my behavior issues started falling into place. Why? Because the Bible is true and it says you seek wisdom first and everything else will follow. Because when you seek wisdom, you seek God. And it doesn't matter how much knowledge you have. Knowledge by itself puffs up and can mislead you. Listen to what the Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 9, verses 10 and 11. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What does fear mean? It means taking him seriously. That means God is serious. God is real. And we honor him. Why? Because he is God and we're not. So we take him seriously. Watch this. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So when you have the foundation of real wisdom, then you obtain knowledge. And it's not a knowledge that leads you further from God, but a knowledge that leads you closer to God. Why? Because you can see his revelation. And as you see his revelation, you have the opportunity, the wonderful privilege to step in faith. And as you step in faith, he reveals more of himself to you and then gives you an opportunity to step again. And that's called a faith walk. Because this life shall be lived by faith. The just shall live by faith, the Bible says. And so as we walk it out now, you say, Pastor, but there is a knowledge that leads you away from God. Yeah, it's a self-knowledge. It's a worldly knowledge. The Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 1 that in all of their intellect and knowledge, worldly knowledge, they prove themselves to be fools as they deny God. Think about it. 
I'm going to prove my point yet a little bit, a little bit closer to home. Until the 1900s, human knowledge doubled approximately every century. So every hundred years, we would double human knowledge. That's slow going, isn't it? But take what happened in, uh, at World War II. Knowledge jumped, and we went from doubling every hundred years to every 25 years. Now, knowledge doubles every 13 months, and IBM and other high-tech companies are saying, because of the advancement of AI and the Internet of Things, we will be doubling our knowledge every 12 hours. Can I tell you? I just want to show you something. That the world has gotten worse and worse and worse as we double our knowledge. And if, if, if you don't believe that, you weren't paying attention in 2020. Things keep getting crazier and crazier, do they not? Are we doubling the right knowledge? See, we're doubling a knowledge that is superficial. It's proud. It's a pride. And we're moving further and further away from God as a world instead of moving closer and closer. So what's the solution? It's very simple. It's called God's word. It's called God's word, connecting with him in faith and allowing him to reveal more and more of himself to you. But how many times can you read it? You can read it as often as you want and you'll always have more revelation. Always have more revelation. Why? Because this is not a natural book. It's a supernatural book. A supernatural book. And a supernatural book is what? Out of this world. So it gives you more and more and more. And so this is important. This is important. Let me put it to you this way. A Japanese proverb says, knowledge without wisdom is a load of books on a donkey. Yeah, that's the word I'm using, a donkey. And some say, but pastor, I'd rather have the donkey with the books than the donkey without you missed the point. You're still a donkey. <laughs> right? I mean, that, that, I love the way the Japanese put things sometimes, you know. So, does knowledge automatically infer wisdom? It sounds like you're saying no. Well, let me, let me put it to you this way. Research by Talent Q shows that university graduates are actually worse than non-university graduates in the workplace At handling criticism, at dealing with each other, and staying calm. That's to name a few. While the U.S. Center of Science in Public Interest found that nearly twice as many full-time university students are heavy drinkers than non-university students. I was about to say non-university students than non-university students, yeah, um, heavy drinkers filled with anxiety and worry but yet they're obtaining all kinds of knowledge because we have to understand there's a better way to go about it I'm not saying knowledge is wrong but you have to put it in the right context you gotta go about it in the right way And our world keeps insisting that we don't need God, and yet God will not be mocked. What a man sows, that he shall also reap. What a world sows, that they shall also reap. A world without God, a world with chaos. So think about this, because this is not how we began. This is not how we were founded. 
See, 200 years after the American Revolution, America is still governed by its first constitution. This is amazing, considering that we are the longest-running constitutional republic in the history of the world. Let's take France, for instance. They've had eight constitutions in 200 years. How about Italy? 45 constitutions in 200 years. Why have we survived so long? It's a good question. Why have we survived so long? Can I tell you? It's because the founding fathers built the constitution on ideology and principles that are firmly based on the wisdom of God's word. You want something built to last? Build your life on God's word. Build your children on God's word. Build your marriage on God's word. Build your life on God's word. Build everything you can on God's word. The Bible puts it this way in the book of of Matthew. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, the wise builder builds on the foundation of Jesus Christ, which is his word. And when the storms of life come, think about this, when the storms of life come, So I want to do something. I want to go back to Proverbs 9, 10, and 11 real quick. And then I'll go back down to where I was. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning. And then he introduces himself to you in understanding. You get understanding of who God is. Now think about that. That revolutionizes your life when you begin to understand God, doesn't it? That's when you get saved and you start this amazing walk. And you start to realize that what the enemy meant for evil, God can use for good. And you start to see that in every circumstance, God can work it out for your benefit, according to uh, Romans 8.28. But read verse 11 with me. For by me, your days will be multiplied and your years of life, oh, excuse me, and years of life will be added to you. So your days will be multiplied and years of life will be added to you. So is King Solomon just being redundant? Why would he be redundant? Why would he say something twice? Well, that's, you see, he's poetic and he, he's, he's using this, uh, this, this technique in writing that when you want to emphasize something, yes, I understand that could be the case. But what if he's telling us two different things? What if he's saying, you know what? You'll have a long, prosperous life. How many of us want a long, prosperous life? Yeah, I think that's a good thing. God put that in our hearts too, to want to live. So whenever you find that desire to live waning, you know the enemy is attacking you. The enemy is attacking you whenever you start thinking, maybe I don't want to live. That's the enemy because God desires for you to want to live. It's a gift from him. It's the most precious gift, life. So watch this. He's saying, I'm going to give you a long life. But then he says something about multiplying your days. I want you to think about that. Maybe there's another, something hidden there, a hidden gem of truth that that Solomon is trying to give us. Let's go back down. Um, and, And let's talk about our founding fathers. Because Abraham Lincoln put it this way, the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of the government in the next. Ooh, isn't that true? So what's being taught today is going to affect us tomorrow. What we're experiencing today is what happened yesterday. See, if our founding fathers had a successful philosophy of government, which obviously they did, then we need to think to ourselves, what were they being taught? 
So let's think about it. Harvard is the oldest ongoing university in the United States. Harvard produced a number of our founding fathers. Let's just list a few. John Quincy Adams, John Hancock, John Adams, Samuel Adams. Man, it's cool to be an Adams back then, isn't it? Listen to this. Harvard's original stated purpose for students was this. To be plainly instructed and consider well that the main end of your life and studies is to know God and Jesus Christ. Wow. Their stated purpose like, hey, if you're going to come here, you need to know we're about this. Some of us are going, what? Let's keep going. One requirement of students was that everyone shall so exercise himself in reading the scriptures twice a day that he shall be able to give an account of his proficiency therein. That means you're going to have to read this thing at least twice a day and we're going to check see if you understand it. Isn't that amazing? How about Yale? Yale also produced many founding fathers like Noah Webster, William Samuel Johnson, Abraham Baldwin. One of Yale's requirements for their students read as follows. Listen to this. Seeing that God is the giver of all what? Wisdom. Oh, it's not up there? I have it here. So I'm going to have to make these available on the app because I see some people taking pictures. Seeing That God is the giver of all wisdom. Every student besides his private secret prayer will be present morning and evening for public prayer. Isn't that amazing? Princeton, founded in 1746, produced people like James Madison, Benjamin Rush, John Witherspoon, and was responsible for a third of all of our founding fathers' training. Listen to this. What was the philosophy of an institution that produced so many national leaders? Princeton's founding statement was this. Listen to this very closely. Cursed is all learning that is contrary to the cross of Christ. How far we've come. But maybe we're not headed in the direction we think. Oh, we've come far. We've made it a long way from the cross. See, this journey is supposed to lead us closer to heaven, not further away. And we need to think, what knowledge are we pursuing here? You say, but I don't have kids. What knowledge are you pursuing? What direction is your life moving in? See, the truth of the matter is, knowledge is not bad. But it is scary if it's not sanctified under the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to think about this. Will we ever get the knowledge that Satan has? And yet he's an evil, evil being. See, I love the way Pastor Adrian Rogers puts it. Pastor Adrian Rogers says this, that knowledge without wisdom as its foundation makes for really clever devils. See, you need to have your children, you need to have your life, you need to have all your learning sanctified by the word of God because that gives you the direction in which you're headed. That gives you the direction. See, years ago, I love the way James Dobson 
included this uh, little article in his uh, Focus on the Family website. And this is what he said. It said, uh, on Focus on the Family, there was a story of a, of a young teenager, 17-year-old from Fremont, California, named Karen Chin. And she achieved a perfect score on her SAT, 800 on both sides. She also achieved an 8,000, a perfect score on the rigorous University of California Acceptance Index, which had never been done before. Wow. Karen, although she was a straight-A student at her high school, considered herself a typical teenager. She says, I eat junk food, I talk on the phone, and I even procrastinate in turning in my assignments. But her teachers told a different story. They called her Wonder Woman because of her unquenchable thirst for knowledge and her uncanny ability to retain whatever she read. However, when a reporter asked her a critical question, this was the question. What is the meaning of life? Karen's response was surprising. Guess what she said? She said, I have no idea. I would love to know myself. Teach your children God's word. Teach yourself God's word. Because the truth of the matter is, we are in an information explosion age. Artificial intelligence is going so fast. You're not going to be able to keep up with the knowledge. The key to living in this new age is to understand God's heart. So that by God's discernment, you can navigate your life. That's the key. Think about it with me. So knowledge without wisdom is pointless. But worse, it can be dangerous. Take Joseph Stalin, for instance. Joseph Stalin went out seeking knowledge and was led astray into the Marxist evil ideology. And there, in all the seeking of knowledge, it led him to be one of the mass murderers of human history. Think about it. Knowledge without wisdom is not where it's at. See, wisdom is the what? Appropriate application of knowledge. I love the way professional rugby star Brian O'Driscoll put it. He said this, he said, knowledge is knowing a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting it in a fruit salad. (laughs) Isn't that good? See, wisdom is how do you apply what you learn? Is it moving you closer to God or further away? Amen. Uh, You know, athletes have a way of just putting things just, just right. You know, the Bible says it very, very clearly as well. If the axe is dull, Solomon said in the book of Ecclesiastes, and one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength. That means you got to work twice as hard. But wisdom brings success. That's why I entitled my message, Wisdom Will Make You Successful. Why? Because it's sharpening your axe to where things just work out for you. Come on, how many of us ever feel like we're just spinning our wheels? It's like, man, I just work and work and work. And you know, the other day I was having that conversation with God and maybe that's where this came from. And, and I'm going, Lord, I just feel like I'm spinning my wheels. And God is saying, um, 
When was the last time, Pastor Chris, you had a good old-fashioned reading of my word? I'm talking every single day without fail, getting in it, seeking wisdom. But I'm so busy. And he goes, exactly. You're so busy because you're using more energy than you need to. If you would use my wisdom, we'll get further. Amen. Remember, I'm not preaching at you. I'm right here with you. I'm right here with you. See, let's go back to this idea of wisdom will multiply your days. What if Solomon is saying, not only will you have a long life, but with the, with the years and days you live, you'll be more what? Productive. Because wisdom is what sharpens you to where things just go right for you. You ever seen someone, they just get ahead? Everything they do, they just get ahead. And it's like, man, I study so much harder. I work so much harder. I'm constantly racking my brain. But yet things just come up roses for them. That's what I've been praying for my life. I've been saying, Lord, I want to walk in wisdom so that things just work. And now I'm sharing with you. Guess what? It's working. I'll share more of my testimony as it comes up. But, but I want to let you know, guys, God's word is true. I hope somebody has a burning desire in their heart right now to say, Lord, I'm going to try your word. I'm going to try your word. You tell me openly that it's successful, that I will be successful, that my my axe will be sharpened, that I'll have to use less time. Listen to me. In this world, you need discernment. Discernment is wisdom. When you sit down with somebody, you need to know if you're a businessman, are they just... Are they just messing around or are they serious about doing business? You can waste a lot of time chasing your tail. How do you know? Wisdom. The power of the Holy Spirit. Well, how do people just know how to be in the right spot? Wisdom. How do things just work out for some folks? Wisdom. How is it that they always have opportunity? Wisdom. Think about it with me for a second. Success. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, God will throw in some understanding too. Amen. That's one way to interpret it. You can also say, and as you get wisdom, don't forget to study up and get understanding. I want to finish up with this. In the book of Acts, the Bible tells us clearly that wisdom comes from God. And it comes from from the Holy Spirit. From the spirit of almighty God. Read with me in the book of Acts. Chapter 6 verse 3. Brothers and sisters. Choose seven men from among you. Who are known to be full. Of the spirit of wisdom. The spirit of what? You could also say the spirit of God. The spirit of wisdom. And so. When you get close to God. And the Holy Spirit fills your life. You will get wisdom. That's why it's so important to read this word. Because this word transforms your understanding. The Bible says what? I urge you therefore brethren by the mercies of God. To what? Present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. This is the least you can do. Right? And he goes on to say. Be not what? Conformed to the pattern of this world. Don't head the way the world heads. Go countercultural, But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
How do you renew your mind? In the book of Ephesians, the Bible says by reading God's word. And as you read God's word, he says it again. You will have your mind renewed. That means the spirit of God is showing you things that only he can show you. And so here you have the apostle saying we need to get some deacons. This is where the deacon concept came into play. And they need to have the spirit of wisdom. So we drop down just a few verses and we see this. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, right? They were members of a certain synagogue who began to argue with Stephen, verse 10. But they could not stand against the wisdom the spirit gave him as he spoke. Can you imagine being one of those? Being a Stephen? Whereas this world gets tougher and tougher, you stand not in your strength, but in the power of the spirit of wisdom. And wisdom begins to flow. And as it begins to flow, those that are in opposition stand there going, you go, yeah, but I don't like what happens next. They get so angry because they can't argue with him. They kill him. Can I tell you? They were going to kill him anyway. He just got to die like a man of honor instead of a coward. You're going to work. Death is part of the equation. But we're talking as Christians living with courage. The spirit of wisdom gives you courage. Gives you courage to stand and say, that's not my conviction. That's not what I believe. That's not good for my family. That's not what we adhere to. You know what? When you teach your children wisdom, they have courage. When you are filled with wisdom, you're filled with courage. And some are going, pastor, I don't want to go there. Whether you want to go there or not, Jesus already promised us as we get closer to his return, the things get more intense. And as they get more intense, I don't know about you, I want to be filled with wisdom. With the spirit of wisdom. Amen. I love you, church. So what's the point? The point is very, very simple. No God. No God. Colossians promises that in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. No God. Respect God. Respect God. The Bible says, fear the Lord. Respect the Lord. This is where wisdom begins. Respect him. Amen? Ask God. Ask God. If any of you lack wisdom, that means me too. James says, ask God and he's going to pour it on you liberally. Isn't that cool? And serve God. The Bible says in the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel, but be sure to fear the Lord and to serve him faithfully with all of your heart. Consider what the great things he has done for you. So as we head out and we partake of communion together. I want to pray a blessing over all of our teachers, administrators, homeschooled moms and dads, and our students. First, if you are a part of the public school system in any shape or form, not student, but you're employed 
and you are a substitute teacher, you're a teacher, you're an administrator, you work in the hallways in any way, would you raise your hand? We want to pray a blessing over you. Come on, church, help me. Help me just, just encourage them. We've got a few over here. Anyone over here? If you are part of private education or homeschool education in delivering that education, would you raise your hand? Okay, we got some moms. We got some moms, dads. Wonderful. Yes, yes, yes. In the back. Now, if you are, I didn't ask my coaches to raise their hand, but that goes without say. Coaches, raise your hands. We got one over here. All right, all right. Yes. Now, let me ask you if you are a student from the little bitty to our wonderful high school students, would you raise your hand? I see a proud hand over here right away. Hands. Come on, let's encourage them, church. Come on, encourage our students. We're proud of you, students. We're proud of you. Amen. But remember, in all you're getting, don't forget wisdom. Get God's word deep inside of you. And I want to pray a blessing. Father, in the name of Jesus, on this beautiful, wonderful weekend before school starts, I ask you, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, the spirit of wisdom, to fall on our congregation and especially fill our teachers with courage. Give them an extra measure of patience and kindness and also conviction, God. Lord, let your word well up in their hearts. Give them a hunger for your word and let them speak it, God. Even if they're not allowed to read from the text, that it would be intertwined and laced in everything they share. And let it be evident on their countenance. Lord, I pray for our coaches the same thing. I pray that you would make them bold, men of and women of conviction, that you would give them, Lord, hope and promise to share with the students. And then, Lord, I ask you for the students, homeschool, public school, all of our students, even university, that you would, Father, explode with wisdom in their hearts, in their lives, that you would reveal yourself to them in the beautiful ways that you see appropriate in their individual unique circumstances. And then, God, by the spirit of wisdom, that you would give them courage, that you would make them different, So that as they walk, people would know there's something special about them. And most of all, that they would know how special they are because you have said they are your, they are your beloved. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So church, if I can get this open, what a privilege it is to partake of communion together as a family. The Bible says, do this, proclaiming my return. Lord Jesus, Maranatha, come quickly. And as we remain here, let us be faithful. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your blood, Lord Jesus, who washes us white as snow. It washes as white as snow. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, have a great, great week.